What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. Um, first things first, up top, we had a ton of issues with this episode, so I apologize for the delay. We actually we recorded it on Tuesday, um, and it's not coming out now till Friday because we had a bunch of technical issues, but we were able to sort through them and get this episode out. I had Rob Flamon, who's a longtime Twitter friend um, from 213 Hoops. He's a huge Clippers fan and, and blogger who talked to us a little bit about kind of the parallels between the Sixers and Clippers and Doc Rivers and a bunch of other stuff that you'll hear. And, and we had a great conversation. So I uh, just wanted to remind you guys to you know, do all the stuff that I always ask you to do every week. Please just do it if you haven't already. A lot of you have, and I appreciate it. <laughs> Review the podcast, share it, do all that that great stuff. Um, leave me uh, any you know constructive criticism as long as it's telling me how great I am uh, and, and all that stuff. So uh, enjoy the podcast, and uh, hope you guys like it. What's going on, guys? We are back on the podcast. God, I keep forgetting to change the name of the podcast, so it always throws me off at the beginning, but um, good way to start. Um, We are here today with a longtime Twitter friend of mine. You might know him as Rich Homie Flom. Uh, He is the managing editor of Clippers Blog. We got Rob Flom. What's going on, Rob? How are you, bro? I'm I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. I just say Clippers. It's Clipper. Your old one was Clippers Nation. The old one was Clippers Nation. This is this one is three hoops. Clips two one three hoops, which is an independent venture outside of uh, outside of SB Nation than the uh, you know the fascists over there. Yeah, yeah. Just kidding. I have people from SB Nation on the podcast all the time. They're great. No, but um, so I wanted to have Rob on because I wanted to have a little bit of an outside perspective on basically the Sixers, but also <laughs> talk a little bit about Doc Rivers mm-hmm. and, you know, Tobias Harris and some people that you might be familiar with that are currently with the Sixers. Um, Mike Scott. And then also... Oh yeah, Sixers legend uh, and Clippers legend too, Mike Scott. Yeah, obviously. Um, and basically, I, I kind of just wanted to talk a little bit up top before we get into the Clippers and the Sixers. I kind of just wanted to talk a little bit about this overload of MVP talk that we've had recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I know, you are just from following your Twitter for years and interacting with you. I know that you've complained in the past about media coverage of basketball, probably just as much as me, if not more. Um, and I, I'm not really sure where you stand on the whole MVP thing this year. But for me, even even as a Sixers fan with a player who's in the thick of it, I'm just so fucking sick of it. <laughs> I, I'm sick of it from the media, but I also think, you know, fans, I wouldn't say fans are responsible because... Um, you know, media, media can choose what they want to cover, what they want to talk about, so on and so forth. But I mean, I think fans are guilty of stuff as well. I mean, there are so many Clippers fans who I've seen talking about Kawhi's MVP status. And it's like, I mean, should Kawhi be on an MVP ballot? Sure. But like, why are we actively discussing this? Like, he's not the MVP. He's probably not a top three MVP guy. Like, if you want to have him third, like, sure. But like, why, why do we care? Like, I, I don't get why down ballot voting has become like a thing that is widely discussed like i get it's important for players like being third in the mvp voting for a player is probably awesome like that's insane 
but like why do fans and media care about like i'm gonna put this guy fourth on my it's like we should really only care about who's the mvp and like this year as of this moment like the mvp is nikola Jokic. like i like i think as I'm sure Sixers fans probably agree, I think there's a pretty strong t- case to be made that Joel Embiid has been better on like a permanent basis. Jokic has played what like 800 more minutes, a, a ton more minutes. Um, you know the availability matters thing is really trite and <laughs> probably an irritating saying, but to some extent it's true. Like Jokic has played a lot more minutes, therefore he's had a lot more impact. Um, and the same is really true for a lot of the top MVP guys. Like, I mean, LeBron's been out for forever at this point. Kawhi's missed like 13 or 14 games. He's now out for a week. Uh, Steph has missed games. Harden's missed games. And Harden was terrible to start the year on the Rockets, which has to matter. So like, yeah. So it's like, it's Jokic. I don't, it's, you know, you might not be happy. Maybe it is kind of a, just, he's the guy who hasn't been injured yet, but like, it's Jokic. So like, I get it. I think, you know, in an argument about who's the best player in the NBA, a little bit more interesting. But if you're looking just strictly at an MVP parameter, it's Jokic. And again, I don't know why people are litigating, you know, the fourth place between Steph versus Luka. Like, you know, people who vote on this, whose opinions will cost players, you know, tens of millions of dollars. Like, I'm fine if Zach Lowe talks about who he's going to put forth on his MVP ballot. I don't need, like, you know random people on twitter arguing about it especially like a month beforehand i uh yes it's it's a it's just too much it's all very exhausting it, it it's exhausting particularly this season because i think it, it is probably the most complicated that it's ever been because of the covid stuff and because of the availability and the injuries and and all that stuff now i said i've only discussed it one time on the podcast because I, I think for the first month or two of the season, it was pretty clear that Embiid was the MVP of the league before the injury, um, and that Jokic was in second, and that he could eventually make it up if Embiid missed time, or if Embiid's shooting regress, or whatever it was. And as the Nuggets have gotten hotter, as the more and more injuries have stacked up, it's it's, it's kind of clear that it is, it is Jokic. Obviously, I want Embiid to win the award. Like, I don't I don't think that he would be necessary. He wouldn't even be, even if you consider the fact that he's missed like 16 or 17 games. I, I don't even remember how many, uh, like his two way impact on the Sixers has been pretty much just like an, a completely extreme version of what it's been in the past. It's always been like, he's always been an incredibly impactful player when he's on the court versus when he's off the court. The problem has been, he can't stay on the court. Um, Jokic has had, you know, as we have discussed, he's had an incredible season, you know, advanced statistics absolutely love Jokic, like every metric, the team's finally winning. Uh, he's now winning without Jamal Murray, even before Jamal Murray was injured, there was a few games he sat out. He was winning without him. I have no problem with Jokic winning the MVP. I I think that he's a totally fine MVP. And I think Embiid would be a totally fine MVP too, but it, it, it is now unprecedented to have an MVP that misses this many games. Like that's kind of my thing. Like, like I think they said Bill Walton in the seventies was like the last time that someone didn't play like at least like 80% of the games. And at this point, Embiid's probably going to play somewhere in the 70 to 80%. And if, if Jokic didn't go on this like recent, tear of the league for the past month and a half two months and it was maybe he was playing similarly to kind of how he started the year 
then I would be like, I think it's neck and neck still. But now, like, I'm totally fine with it. I just, like you said, like, people, like, this season particularly, probably because of everything that's going on with COVID, um, and, like, the fact that, like, all these games are stacked on top of each other, and, like, ESPN, once the trade deadline passes... They have nothing to talk about, basically. They, they're not going to actually break down games. They're not going to talk about anything other than just, like, generalities around you know, looking forward towards the playoffs. In the last 15 to 20 games, like, people – and another thing about the fan reaction is, like, people were freaking out when uh, Rachel Nichols went on that rant about Embiid – like not being in the MVP or not people not taking him seriously in the MVP conversation compared to Jokic because Jokic just played more games, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, duh. They, they have nothing to talk about. (laughs) Of course they're going to drum it up. Now they're drumming up Steph who, by the way, amazing season. I'm not taking any way, any, anything away from any of these guys, but now it's like, it's clearly a two player race and Jokic is clearly the favorite unless there's some disaster down the stretch here. And Embiid and Steph and a few of these other guys might be in the conversation, but, like, they're not just going to give up on this shit, basically. Yeah, they never will. And, like, every time Steph has a great game, it's going to be – I mean, I sneakily think Steph might kind of have the the second best case just because – I mean, he's been outrageously good all year. And if you looked at just impact with and with the last week is, like, insane. Yeah, and, I mean, I think just the Warriors are so terrible that him him getting them to be even, like – decent is is pretty insane like you know i've argued with people on my timeline about again this and this is where it gets really stupid about like who should be fourth and should it be Kawhi or steph and i'm like steph has just been better than Kawhi this year like he's been flat out better than Kawhi leonard like and yeah like he's you know the warriors are in 10th in the west but why is it his fault that he has shit teammates like (laughs) like andrew yeah and i mean yeah, it's not really his. Uh, oh well, I I do think Wiggins has He's been better fine. this year, but a large a large part of that is is playing with Steph Curry. Yeah, I mean like that is that's the thing is like it's to me it's an all time floor raising job. Mm-hmm. Just like 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 we were talking about it earlier, and it it, it is re- reminiscent. I think it's arguably better than Iver. I'm going to get killed by Sixers fan. <laughs> But it's arguably better than what Iverson did um, just when you consider the fact that the Sixer, that Sixers team was built around Iverson in a way that kind of, uh, you know, covered up his defensive weaknesses. Yes. And kind of he was the one man offense in the same way that Steph is. But they just completely looked like they had a top defense in the league, which is ultimately what got them mm-hmm. to the NBA finals. And, you know, he won MVP and all that stuff. But Steph, I mean, Steph has just been, I, I saw it firsthand last night against the Sixers. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> the, the guy is just fucking unbelievable. I mean, literally, it's funny because when, when the Sixers lose like a regular season game, I'm like usually like, like I don't get too, like, especially this year, I'm not getting too worked up about mm-hmm. it. But when it happens to Steph or LeBron or like one of the best, like those two specifically, I'm just like, what are you, yeah. what are you gonna do? Like, yeah, it's like it's. I don't. I mean, and, and I, to I'm, some extent, like I mean, I didn't feel quite like this because it's the playoffs. It's a three-one collapse. But like, what happened to the the Clippers against the Nuggets? I mean, there were, there are so many things to unpack, and we will get to a lot of that when talking about Doc Rivers. Um, but Jokic was the best player in that series. He outplayed Kawhi Leonard he was? and. Paul George, who is the Clippers' best player in that series, actually, by like ah, that's the narrative doesn't like that though. No. The narrative is is the is is that 
Paul George is the choker. <laughs> no, Paul George is great almost all series until game seven when he and the, the entire team just completely like fell in upon itself. But like Jokic was the best player in that series. And that's why that's the main reason why the Nuggets won. Like you can blame Doc Rivers for playing Montrezl Harrell, which we do, or <laughs> because it was terrible. Um, or, was. you know, Marcus Morris for shoving Paul Millsap and like lighting a fire under the Nuggets or whatever. But like ultimately Jokic was the best player in that series by like, a fairly considerable margin and that's why the nuggets won um it's true and it didn't really start to click until game seven i feel like like i feel like we like it was like pretty much up until game seven no one really wanted to talk about it but i remember i remember just the twitter timeline during game seven just being like what is happening like Jokic (laughs) is is dominating the clippers right now like who thought to be this juggernaut and you were one of the only people that I know going into that series that were like, I think this series is going to go seven. I'm, I, I very, at the very end, I backed out of seven and I think I said Clippers and six, but I wanted to say seven and actually Nuggets yeah. people talked me into six because they were all super upset. <laughs> they were like, oh, like this is a horrible matchup. We have nobody to guard Kawhi. We have nobody to guard Paul George. And most of Nuggets people I saw were Nuggets and I were Clippers in five or six. And I was like, oh, you know, if they think so. So I changed it. But yeah, I mean, I thought it was going to be close. Jokic is so good. Um, I thought Murray was was kind of overrated, but obviously he's still really good and and is a guy who can take over playoff series. And like they're they have a good supporting cast. And I think the supporting cast has gotten better this year. So anyway, um, you know, the the Clippers and are a tragedy <laughs> just waiting to happen. No, uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. We're going to talk. We're going to talk a little bit about the Clippers. Uh up right now let's just jump into it like i i i i i am a i'm i feel like i'm kind of so i don't even think i'm as pessimistic as you are when it comes to your squad as i am with the sixers like i've been i've been cautiously optimistic mm-hmm. with the sixers this year i'm 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 trying to keep my expectations in check i've said on this podcast before i think if the nets are healthy which who fucking knows? Yeah. James Harden is now out indefinitely, quote unquote. Are they just giving him a rest? Whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that they they ultimately are the favorites in the East if everyone is healthy. I think the Sixers got a good shot. Like, I'm feeling whatever. Whereas, I feel like, I mean, maybe it's just because we haven't seen the Lakers, like, all yeah. together in quite some time because of the Anthony Davis and LeBron thing. Like, I think I, maybe I just got bored and, like, talked myself out of the Lakers winning the West because I haven't seen it in so long and it's been such a weird season. And I actually, until the Jamal Murray injury, I was like, the, I think the Nuggets are yeah. Like, the, the month before uh, Murray got hurt, I was like, this team is... Like, that that stretch between when they got Aaron Gordon mm-hmm. and, you, you know me, like, I'm not a big Aaron Gordon guy, <laughs> but I just think that, like, his fit... Yeah, with, it was really good. Yeah the fit with the nuggets was fantastic. And like everything that they were doing, I watched like every game up until when Murray got hurt. And I was like, I'm getting like, or like early warriors vibes from this. Like I'm getting like, like I'm getting serious championship vibes mm-hmm. from this team. Of course, Murray goes down. And now I think it pretty much comes down to the Clippers and the Lakers in the West. Would you agree with that? Or do you, are you a Suns or jazz have a shot person? I, it depends. I I think the Jazz or the Suns could beat the Lakers or Clippers in a series. Whether they can beat both of them, I don't know. Like I, I'm 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 a believer in them, and I think they could beat one of those teams in a seven game series. 
Whether they can win the entire West will depend partially upon seeding. Like, you know, if you assume the Jazz are eight or are one, they'll probably get a not too tough team in the eight slot. Um, and yeah. then you probably the Warriors. Yeah, and I mean, as great as Steph is, I mean, the Jazz should destroy them. I mean, they're just better yeah. everywhere else by a Way huge better. margin. Yep. Um, and then, you know, they'll, it looks like 4-5 or five might be Nuggets-Lakers, which is, you know, insane to think about. Um, and I, I don't know. Like, the, the Lakers are very weird because we haven't seen them in forever. Um, you know, LeBron and AD have been out for a lot of the season, and... But I mean, the other thing to consider, though, is that it's not the same team as last year, right? Like, it's not like they carried over their entire team from last year and it's just plugging LeBron and AD back in. Like, they have major new roster pieces that they added um, who they don't have, like, a ton of time integrating with and building chemistry with. Uh, you know, you look yeah. at Dennis Schroeder. Um, you look at I mean, Andre Drummond, but, like, their center <laughs> rotation, you know, Drummond and Gasol, uh, Montrez yeah. Harrell. Like these are not guys. They just threw it Ben Mac. They threw Ben Mclemore <laughs> into the mix recently, yeah. which is the legend Ben <laughs> Mclemore. Like their main rotation guys outside of LeBron and AD who are still there are Contavious Caldwell Pope, Alex Caruso, and Markeith Morris. I don't think I'm forgetting anybody. Um, Kuzma. Yeah. Okay, well, I I can. Forget <laughs> you did that on purpose. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> which is like, I guess that's a lot of their playoff rotation, but still, like. I, I feel people are are underestimating a little bit like the chemistry integration issue. Like it is LeBron James. I don't I I don't even care about anything Davis that much. The people last in last year's playoffs who were talking about how AD was were, was better than LeBron James infuriated me to no end. I insane. Anthony Davis can come or go. He's a great player. He's going to be a Hall of Famer or whatever. LeBron James is LeBron James. Like I if LeBron is healthy, the Lakers are probably the favorite to win the West. Like, I, I think it's, like, that simple. Like, you can say the Clippers have a yeah. better roster. The Clippers this year actually have more chemistry and better health. But, like, LeBron is LeBron. LeBron has been awesome this year. Like, again, the MVP conversation early was awful because Jokic and Embiid were clearly better than him. But he was still the third best player in the NBA, probably. And, yeah. like, playoff LeBron is playoff LeBron. I don't – I find it very hard to bet against LeBron at all. Um, the Lakers this year are just kind of a, a mess is a little bit too far. They're a bit of an unknown, though. So I think it is fair to be a little skeptical of them. Um, but I think... Yeah, the, I totally agree. When push comes to shove, though, it's LeBron, and which I think like the Jazz or Suns have a better chance of knocking off the Clippers than the Lakers, just because... Like yeah, for sure. LeBron, I, like who on the Jazz is guarding LeBron? Like I like Royce O'Neal. Like this is Damari Carroll. Yeah, best of luck. Yeah, like all over again. Like Joe Ingles. Like it's just not going to happen. The Suns. I mean, Boyan. Yeah, like Mikhail Bridges. Like Jay Crowder. You know, Cam Johnson. Like these are like maybe somewhat better names, but like Bridges is still really undersized. LeBron probably has what like fifty pounds on him. Like. True, he does. Yeah, his I mean, Bridges is insane, insane though. Insane though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah his it, the thing about him is like the the the, the wingspan. I mean, I know because <laughs> went to Villanova, we drafted him. <laughs> I want to die, you know, all that stuff. But um, but like I, I I've actually the the more I've thought about the Suns and the more I watched the Suns uh, before the Murray injury, I was like, eh, yeah, whatever. Like Suns a good regular season team. Like Chris Paul is just going to make every team better, better yeah. during the regular season, especially. And like, I, I just didn't really, I didn't buy them. And the more I've watched them, the more I'm like, I watched them against the Bucks last night, even though that was a sham fucking oh, ending. Yeah, yeah. That was 
total bullshit call. But uh, it helped the Sixers, so hey, good. Yeah, the uh, are legit. You, the Suns are very legit, they are super and good. I like I I think that like Devin Booker is uh you know he's inconsistent with the efficiency, but when he's on, holy fucking shit! And like he has the ability to catch fire, similar to I mean him, Murray and Mitchell are just such similar players in that yeah. way, where it's like if the shot is falling, best of luck. Uh, if the shot's not falling, you you've got a chance to slow him down, like a, a good chance. Yeah, I mean I think and, the Suns like. I, I don't know. Like, I think Zach Lowe talked about this, has talked about this several times on his pod where he's like, a lot of people don't think they're legit. And I feel like they might be watching a different team than the one I'm watching. To me, the big question mark with the Suns is, is Aiton, right? Like when Aiton is on, is, yep. when Aiton is on, when he's locked in, when he's focused on defense, they are scary. Like, I think they could win yep. the West. Like, I don't, I wouldn't bet on them. Like, I think, you know, pre the Murray injury I think they were probably the the fifth best of those teams but like I don't know why people would have the Jazz over them necessarily I mean I think Booker is probably a little bit better than Mitchell um mm-hmm. Chris Paul has his limitations but like it's Chris Paul I don't he's been great this year Bridges yeah. is a much better wing defender than anybody on the Jazz by like a mile and a half and then yeah. like they have really good And then they also have Crowder yeah. so it's like you know like Crowder's a, a you know at I've often talked about how I think Crowder is the most overrated player in the NBA by <laughs> NBA podcast. Like anytime a team loses Jay Crowder, they're like, how do you replace Jay Crowder? I'm like, you'll probably figure it out. I mean, like he's all right, but he's a, but like there's, a, there's like a really interesting story to be written about Jay Crowder and how like, he's not that good, but somehow just, it's like one of those weird impact versus measurables thing where like his stats right. aren't very good, but somehow just what he does is really important to teams. I mean, guys like him, he's like a very traditional like 3 and D guy. He's not a great three-point shooter, but he takes a lot of them. He'll make them at a decent rate. Yep. He's like an above-average defender at multiple positions. But he's big. Yeah, he's big, which helps, and he can make the extra pass, and like he does. He's good. Like, he's good. I mean, I think he was definitely Solid. overrated for a few years. But I, somehow we've talked about every team but the Clippers, um, which is the way of the Clippers. <laughs> um, the Clippers are good. Like, I'm just – I'm permanently skeptical about the Clippers until they actually – until they even reach a Western Conference Finals, I don't like. I don't. I, I'm I'm a little skeptical. I get it. That said, I mean, for the once for the Clippers, the cards are falling in their favor this year, right? Like Murray being out. I mean, the Nuggets honestly are still kind of scary to me, just because Jokic is that good. Like he's insanely he is, good. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Wouldn't want to be any team that plays him. I. You, the same could be true. I think of like the Blazers and Mavs with Dame and Luca, though they aren't quite as good as as Jokic. Like for a seven game series, like why not one of those guys? Like, for sure. Um, but you know, the the Nuggets have been knocked out a peg. The Lakers are again kind of like this mystery. Like they have all these new guys. They LeBron and AD have been injured. The Jazz. I don't think anybody takes them that seriously still. Um, why do you think that is? I think it does end up going back to Gobert, which I think is a little unfair to Gobert um, because I think a lot of his most difficult playoff series have come against teams that were, like, very uniquely equipped to expose him. Absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, the 20... Do you think the Clippers kind of are, though? I mean, I don't... I I was going to say, I think that that would be a very favorable matchup for the Clippers. Yes, yes. I mean, the Clippers are along those lines, but, I mean, they don't have anybody like, you know, 2018 Harden or 2016-2017 Steph, which is just tailor-made. Just run high pick and roll and draw him out, and if he tries hedging, you go buy him, and then you're playing, like, four on three and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, 
they don't have anybody quite like that. Paul George is probably the closest. Um, Paul George has done a lot of damage against Gobert. But yeah, I mean, I, I think T has a bit of a bad rap, but ultimately I think that's where a lot of the skepticism comes from, which is like Donovan Mitchell's really good, but he's not quite of like that tier A superstar, um, partially due to size, partially due to like not great defense and playmaking. Um, and then after that, it's like a good but not great roster. Like Mike Conley is very, very good. Um, yeah. Like Ingles and, and Bogdanovich and um, and Clarkson are all good. Like Favors is a decent backup center. Like they're good. But I mean, just compared to like the sheer star power of like LeBron or Jokic, I just don't think they have that. Why? Or, yeah. And I'm, I'm, yeah, that's, I'm personally that's just more afraid of Booker than Mitchell. Um, I think the size yeah, matters. I understand that. Um, yeah. Mitchell ultimately is what Booker is like five inches taller than him. Like that matters in the NBA. Like it does. Yeah. Um, and Booker is just, For I sure. think is a harder player to stop when he gets going than Mitchell is. So, I, I mean, that, I think that's really it. So the Clippers, they should be just one, one thing on the jazz yeah, yeah. there. I just want to say one thing here. The, the thing about the jazz is like, it, it, I go back and forth on it because I think that. Gobert is the most it's it's clear he's the most impactful de- regular season defender in the NBA. Yeah. Like I mean, you put a fucking team of uh, random guys around him and he'll have a top 10 defense, top 5 defense even. But when it does come to the playoffs, you know, as you said there have been unique teams that have been able to expose his weaknesses, but it does seem like every year, you know, there's a different team that does it. Yeah. It's like, you know, it was the Warriors, of course. The Warriors are the Warriors. It was the Rockets. Okay, the Rockets were really good. Well, last year was the Nuggets with the two-man game with Murray and Jokic. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, like it, eventually, you can, like, we can talk about him as this, like, you know, elite, elite defender, which we would all agree he is, but that versatility not being there in the playoffs mm-hmm. is going to be a huge, just, like, I mean, you could argue in the regular season, he's a top 10 player from an impact standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's true. It's fair. And I mean, I think the MVP stuff for Gobert is absolutely ridiculous. But he, yeah. he is, yes. like, he's an all-NBA, all-defense-level guy every single year. He's really, really, really good. Yeah, and the thing is, is that, like, until him, until him or Donovan Mitchell prove it in the playoffs beyond the the bubble, the first round, those kinds yeah. of things like deeper into the playoffs. I'm just never going to believe in the jazz as I don't think that a team that doesn't have a clear top 10 player yeah. in the playoffs, especially in the Western conference, like in the Eastern conference last year, like, you know, I, this is no disrespect to Jimmy Butler, who is absolutely awesome. But like that Miami heat team was probably like Jimmy was probably the worst best player on a finals team in quite some time. Like, Since the 2004 talking... Pistons, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, and 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 Jimmy in the playoffs is, is another level. I just haven't seen anyone on the Jazz take it to oh, that yeah. level. Oh, yeah, no, the they don't have anybody on their team close to, to playoff Jimmy Butler. No, I mean, I don't think that's yeah. really even that close. Like, I mean, Mitchell gets hot, but, like, the defense isn't there. Um, yeah. And, like, I mean, B- Butler is also a better passer and playmaker than than Mitchell yep. is as well. So, and the thing about Jimmy is that he can also like, and I mean, like Jimmy is effective on and off the ball in a way that I think that not like most stars just mm-hmm. aren't like he can, like, I saw it when he was on the Sixers. I saw, I've seen it like throughout his career. Like he didn't start as a star. 
Like he right. he wasn't thrown he wasn't thrown into a situation as the guy. So he had to learn to be an effective player off the ball, and that kind of player can kind of fit in with any team and and make it better. Like Mitchell, I just I, I gotta wait and see with him. He's injured now. Like I I've been lower on him than most people, kind of similar to you. Mm-hmm. But I I'm willing to hear like he's still very young and he, he's he's kind of like Joel Embiid. Like he's only been playing basketball for a few years. Like he he really is still kind of figuring this thing out. So so I, we'll, we'll talk about that another time. Let let's get back back into the Clippers. Finally, thirty minutes into the podcast, we'll talk more about the Clippers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like, what have you thought about the recent play, especially since uh? since the trade deadline when they got your favorite player in the NBA, Rajon Yeah, Rondo. I can't stand Rajon Rondo. Um, <laughs> you know, he's been good for the Clippers. He's been shockingly good. And uh, Hey, I call, I just want to say, if you if you listened to my podcast before the trade deadline, me and Marty both said he would be great on the Sixers and that the Sixers should go after him because I don't care about the regular season. So there you go. Well, the thing is, I actually believe in playoff Rondo as well. Um, but the weird thing is it's been the regular season and he's been good in the regular season and people will be like, oh, you can't take anything away from Atlanta. But like, he's been bad in the regular season for years and years. He was terrible for the Lakers. Um, he wasn't great for the Pelicans either. Like he's been good in the regular season. Um, which again, like it could be a sign of things to come. Maybe he's just ramped up playoff Rondo a little bit early. Um, I mean, the, the thing with Rondo that's interesting to me, and I'll get called a hater for this. If any random Clippers people are listening, um, I don't know if he's had that much to do with the Clippers' success. There have been a couple games where he's had like a pretty big impact, but in a lot of them, the Clippers have just outplayed their opponent in ways that Rondo hasn't really had that huge a helping in. Like I think you know certainly he's better defensively than Lou Williams. He's a better passer than Lou Williams, and I think now that Lou's off the team, you can you can see kind of a little bit that they maybe didn't just need his scoring that much. Like the team already has plenty of scoring, right. maybe they just didn't need it. Um, but I mean, I don't think Rondo's had like a huge outsized impact. He hasn't even played huge minutes in most of these games. Um, but he has undoubtedly been good. Um, the thing with the Clippers is just their in- insane shooting team. Like they have, I think seven That's players right. shooting 40% from three and two others who are shooting like wow. 39%. They're an insane three point shooting team. Um, I, I, I can just sort it right now. Um, but yes, they actually, have- I was going to say, I don't think people think of Paul George as like, like Paul George is like an easily a top shooter. ten shooter. Yeah. I mean, he's fucking amazing. Yeah. Like he he's arguably a top five shooter just from like uh, I, I mean, I'm not sure. I don't watch all the Clippers games, so I don't really know the difficulty of shot that he's always taking. But in that Sixers game when Kawhi was out, he was certainly ma- taking and making some incredible shots. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's insane. He's shooting forty three percent, forty three point seven percent from three, seven and a half attempts a game, and a lot of those are pretty tough. Wow. Um, you know, you have Marcus Morris, Luke Kennard, um, Reggie Jackson is shooting insane from three, Pat Beverly, yeah. Nick Batum, Kawhi, uh, Pat Patterson. Those guys are all shooting over 39% from three. Um, uh, mostly. Oh yeah. Pat Patterson, Pat Patterson, all of those threes came in the Sixers game, actually. <laughs> Pat Patterson. <laughs> I, I make so much fun of Pat Patterson. I, I really shouldn't. He's been, you know, considering what the Clippers have asked from him, he's been good. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing with the Clippers and like Rondo has shot the ball well for the Clippers on like super, super low volume. Like he's taken 16 threes and he's made seven of them. So like, I mean, you know, that's not really any sort of sample. He's a better shooter than people realize. I think because because early in his career, he just didn't shoot threes that people just assume he's like the worst. Like they always call Ben tall Rondo. And I'm like, no, Rondo shoots threes now. Yeah, he does. It's low volume, which means it's not that 
effective. Like, right. but on like low volume, yeah, he he can hit catch and shoot threes absolutely. Um, but yeah, I and mean, that's the thing with the Clippers, right? Is the, their offense has been really really good all year. It's now I think the most efficient offense in NBA history, which the Mavs were last year. I think there are like three teams in the NBA that are the most efficient. Like it's probably just going to happen every year. Um, now at this point is yeah, like for, for in perpetuity. Yeah, exactly. So I don't, I don't know how much that really means, but their offense is insanely good. It's mostly built around three point shooting. They really do not get to the free throw line, which is one of the knocks on them. They don't get to the basket that much. They just generate tons of threes and make tons of threes. And you know, the, the case against them is, you know, even if they are the better team, if they have a cold shooting, you know, if they play, uh, if they play the the Suns, let's just say the Suns, they play the Suns in a seven game series. They go cold for two games. The Suns are hot. Suns win two games. Devin Booker just goes off in one game. Suns win. That's three games. And anything can happen in the game seven, as the Clippers saw last year. So when you're super reliant on threes, it can come back to bite you. They are a historically good shooting, you know, three point shooting team. Um, but yeah, I mean, Paul George has been awesome this year. Kawhi Leonard has been awesome this year. Uh, Kawhi is going to be in the MVP conversation again. Like, I don't care about the down ballot stuff. He's going to get some MVP votes. Um, Paul George is going to be an on and all NBA team. Like they're, they've been really good and the supporting cast has been awesome. Um, but the, the turning point for the Clippers, I will say is when Serge Ibaka got injured because that's when Avita Zubac started in place of him mm-hmm. um yeah you've been a big supporter yes. of, of zubak since since you got him for mike sixers Muscala. legend mike Muscala. Yeah. <laughs> sixers clippers legends so many mixed sixers and clippers legends um i know it's it's pretty crazy um yeah zoo is just better than surge by like a significant margin and uh, you know we'll talk about mantras Harrell when we talk about the sixers and, and doc rivers um but Serge is like he's better than Montrezl Harrell in in the playoffs anyway. In the regular season, Montrezl was probably better, but Zoo is just better. Like he's a better player, and Serge is probably going to start the rest of the year if he hadn't gotten injured. And now he's going to come back, but Zoo is going to start, and Zoo is going to keep playing big minutes. So like Serge will help the team. Like him playing over Patrick Patterson is is going to be great. <laughs> um, of course, yeah. But like. Zoo should be playing at least 25, if not 30 minutes a game, every game. And that wasn't going to happen until Serge got injured. So um, so when when he comes back, what does that look like? Like, is he he's just he's the like, because I know Morris plays the five sometimes. And they've yeah. had some, some success with that against the Jazz specifically. Yeah, it's going to be Zoo starts. Um, Serge comes off the bench. I think the minutes will be roughly like 24-20-ish, maybe. Maybe like 26-18 with a few small ball mm-hmm. minutes. But I think it, it really depends on the team. Like, I think there will be games and teams where, where Morris plays more at the five, though. To be honest, depending if Batum is out there, it's really Batum playing more of the five. He plays kind of more at center than uh than Marcus Martin. Nick Batum has been so good this wow. year. Um Nick Batum Amazing. has been insanely good this year. Um and yeah, like the, the Clippers do go small. So they have three kind of legit options at center, which is really helpful. Um and yeah, like having Surge back is is will be really nice. The, a piece that's the biggest question mark at this point is Pat Beverly, because he is nominally their starting point guard. He's missed at this point, I think, around half the season. He's projected to miss another few weeks. Um, and they're just a little bit thin at guard without him. You know, Rondo is old. Rondo can't play that many minutes. He also, you know, he can shoot, but he's a guy people will be comfortable leaving open. There's a little bit of that with Pat Beverly, but he's a much higher volume three-point shooter and just a more historically proficient three-point shooter, um, which yeah. which matters a lot when playing alongside uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George when you're getting tons of threes. So, 
if Pat is healthy, you know, is is a huge question, and it doesn't seem like he will be this season. If he can even give the Clippers, you know, 16 to 20 minutes a game, that would be great because as much as I love Goggles Reggie Jackson and what a an insane season it has been for, for Reggie, um, I still do not trust him remotely in the playoffs against the top-tier team. Like, I just... Does that make sense? Yeah. You just, it I, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What about Terrence Mann? Oh. He, I mean, he kicked the Sixers' ass the first. I know we didn't have it. I don't think Embiid played that game. Yeah, yeah he he was out. But I mean, holy shit, dude! That guy was killing us. He's good. He's good. And one of the reasons why, I mean, people when Lou was traded for Rondo, people were like, "Oh, it'll open up minutes for the the young guys." And I was like, "No, it won't. Like, it's just not going to happen." <laughs> uh, and it, sure enough, it really hasn't happened. Terrence Mann's role has declined a little bit, though. That has more to do with Paul George and Kawhi getting healthy. Um, but Terrence is good. I mean, again, there's a little bit of a weakness there with the shooting, where he can shoot. I think he's also shooting over forty percent from three, but it's also on like really low volume. Yeah, forty three percent, but on right. one point three attempts a game, he's kind of money from the corners. But he has a slow release. He doesn't take a lot. Um, but the rest of his game is like he can play defense. He's a little erratic on that end, but he has good size. He's good energy. He has good kind of instincts. He's an insane rebounder for his size, and he's like a great finisher. I think at Florida State over his three seasons there, he shot like 70% at the rim, which is nuts for Holy a shit. wing. Um, and he's been yeah. about that level uh, this year as well um he can play make a little bit he's just good and i wish he would play more like i <laughs> it's probably not he's your maxi he's your t- he's your maxi basically yes. anytime that maxi plays i'm like although his i will say man is in his second year he's like four years older than yes. maxi i think so he he's the much more developed version of that kind of player and it's frustrating because being a sixers fan and having years of like the process and like after the process and like this young team and this fun young team, you want the young guys to play and yeah. develop. But now that we're contending, I'm like, like Maxi, like outside of like he, I will say after the All Star break, he's been much better. Mm-hmm. But like he didn't deserve to be in the rotation, really. I'm just, I was selfishly hoping that Doc Rivers would change his ways and make it so that he was actually playing a rookie who provided something for the team that we didn't have. But ultimately, that player, like, I, man was in the playoff rotation last year, wasn't he? Or, like, the end of the playoff uh, rotation? He he came in for, like, very scrap, like, defensive minutes. But no, not, Spot minutes. not really, gotcha. not really, no. And especially gotcha. not against the Nuggets. I think he played, like, five minutes against the Nuggets. Um, but if you're hoping for yeah, Doc Rivers to, uh, to change his ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I know. I know. It's, it's funny because, uh, it's funny because I've just heard it from Clippers fans all throughout the years, but I mean, he's been so long since he's been in Boston that like, whatever they say, I'm like, well, I guess he's still the same that he was then. But the thing about Doc and, and we'll get into this now is like, Doc's done such a great job yeah. with the team this year. And like, it's just it's very like I like I think Ty Lue's a great coach. I've always thought that he's been underrated because of the association with LeBron. Yep. And it, Doc is the perfect coach for this team, and Ty Lue seems like the perfect coach for your team. So the thing with Doc is like basically the only thing that matters is that he he gets the most out of our three best players, and that's really all I give a shit about. And also <laughs> another thing is that. It, the other thing is that he, he he gets everyone to try on defense in a way that even though we had a lot of defensive talent, Brett Brown, it's outside of that 2017, 2018 
team when uh, we had Rocco and Ben and and uh, Embiid. We just like defensively, it, it hasn't really been there. Yeah. Like in the Raptor series, yes, it was fantastic, but other it's it's been pretty disappointing when you consider the personnel. And now I feel like it's like we have amazing defensive personnel, but also he's like Furkan Korkmaz is a good defender now, which is like. Like, dude, that guy was literally horrific his first two years in the NBA as a defender. And now, like, he's a solid defender. Like, Doc's definitely got coached up some of the younger Mm -hmm. guys. He's gotten our three best players to play out of their mind at times, um, especially Tobias and Embiid. Uh, And a lot of that is just those guys kind of buying in and being, like, fucking extraordinary talents. But, like... Basically, the reason why I wanted to bring you on is to talk a little bit because you have seen Doc in the playoffs. Yes. And we <laughs> want to talk a, a little bit about some of maybe his playoff struggles that he's had being out coached in series or just, you know, just losing series that maybe they should have won, whatever it is. So, first off, the rotation. Yes. Does Doc tend to use an, I, I think he, last year he was using a nine man rotation in the playoffs. Uh, like an eight, eight or nine man. Yes, I think it was about. Yeah, I think it was nine men, and then at at some point in the Nuggets series, it got cut a little bit. Um, okay, but yes, it 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 will probably be nine. Though it really depends on the team. Um, for example, some of the really barren um, mid Lob City teams, like was seven or eight. One of the reasons why they lost the Rocket series, outside of you know Josh Smith and Corey Brewer destroying <laughs> their career <laughs> averages and just the weirdest way of. Of, like maybe up there with the weirdest basketball games of all time um for sure was that team was exhausted because they had like seven nba players and they were playing 40 minutes a game every single night and they just oh, come God. out of a grueling series against the spurs which for my money is like the best first round series of all time uh, in the nba yeah and they were exhausted and they just had nothing left um and that's partially because doc had to play them huge minutes because the end of the bench was you know uh wow who's even on the end of, was that like the danny granger year i can't there was a danny granger year there's a steven jackson year there was a hito turkaloo i literally year. don't even remember them being i remember hito turkaloo i don't remember the others being on the clippers. hito was actually good for the clippers but anyway like all I'm those guys surprised. were at one point on the clippers which says you know a lot about just how they they built at the end of, at the end of their bench and a lot of that of course was was playoff uh, was gm doc um, but he really, it, it depends. Oh, yeah. It depends on, on how, on how many guys he has. So when you look at the Clippers, um, roster last year, 12, uh, 10 of their guys played in 12, they played in 13 playoff games. 10 of their guys played in at least 12 of them. One of them, Terrence Mann barely played. So yeah, he had a nine man rotation for most of the playoffs. And then, um, Pat and then Reggie Jackson was cut out of the, the, um, the Nugget series. So I think he was running basically an eight man rotation. Um, so what you're telling me is that we won't get our all bench lineups that we've gotten pretty much the entire season, which is uh, probably a joy to Sixers fans ears. It, depending on the first round matchup, I could see him doing it a little bit in the first round, depending right. on, on how right. much leeway. Or, but yeah, if yeah. push comes to shove in a, what, like, I don't even, the East is so bad. Like even their second round series might not be that good. Um, I, I don't know. They could get the Celtics. Yeah, if, I, and like I know that the Celtics have underperformed, but like I, I, I just think they have a lot of playoff experience, and they have good players. They've had the Sixers numbers, yeah, yeah and they, they have good players and high end talent. And like I'm not, I've been, I've been like, don't count out the Celtics the whole year. Um, even though I, 
I've watched them underperform for most of the year. Yeah. It's a very weird year. But yeah, they most likely they're gonna if they get the one seed, they'll get the Celtics. If they get the two seed, they'll get the Bucks. So either of those series, I don't think he'll play ten men. I would guess nine oh or even <laughs> or even eight. I would say probably nine. I'd say probably nine. Um, whoever the worst bench guy is will will probably get cut out. Whether that's Mike Scott is the one that everyone is going to be joyous to hear that he like if he's playing Mike Scott in the playoffs, I'm gonna have an aneurysm. Like it's <laughs> it's like you you like I I don't understand why he's so attached to a player that like he coached for like half a season in L.A. But like he just loves Mike Scott and like. Mike was awesome for the Sixers in that half season yep. that we had him. The Nets series, he was hit a game winner. The Raptor, like, I was like, who is this? Like, I literally didn't know, like, anything about Mike Scott. He comes on the team, takes, like, the fan base over. Like, the, everyone loves him. He becomes, like, a legend. And then he regresses a little bit last year. Like, he looks a little bit slower. The three isn't falling quite at the same clip. Yep. But, like... And then this year, it's just like he fell off a fucking cliff, dude. I have no idea what happened. Like, his athleticism is just shot. He might be battling injuries. Yeah. Like, And the three isn't falling. He's now – he's not a gunner like he used to be. Like, he doesn't just shoot, like, unconsciously mm -hmm. as he was the first year and a half uh, that he was with the Sixers. And it, it, it's basically got to the point where Doc still plays him in the rotation. And the only thing that I've heard from people saying is that he knows where to be. And I'm like, if that's the nicest thing you can say about a player on the court, like, we probably should not be in the rotation for a team that I would like to think is a contending team. Yeah, I don't, so I, I don't think I, Mike... I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I don't think Mike Scott will play in like a second or third round playoff series. And if he does, it'd be like very spot minutes for foul trouble or whatever. I don't think he'd be in the rotation. Right. Um, I mean, the better comp to Mike Scott this year is not Montrezl Harrell because Montrezl Harrell for as much as the decision to keep playing him against the Nuggets and particular, anytime he was matched up against Jokic, it was just a freaking bloodbath. Um, just yeah. like literally should have been rated R <laughs> parental <laughs> advisory should have come up on the screen uh, for how bad that was. Montrose Harrell was a six man of the year. He was a guy who was huge for the Clippers all year long, like a legitimately huge yeah, presence, very good in the regular season. like a really, really good regular season player. Mike Scott is not that. I don't think there's really a comp there. The comp True. you're looking for is Avery Bradley in the 20. Oh my God, how long ago is that now? In the 2018-2019 season. Yeah, I was going to say, not that long ago. It yeah. feels like forever ago. Um, where he sucked all year. He was bad. He couldn't hit threes. He kept dribbling in to take his bullshit mid-range twos. He's an overrated defender because he only does is like do energetic stuff at the point of attack. He can't switch. He doesn't play any help. He's just... He's just not good. Like he's just not very good. Yeah. And he was particularly he's bad. Always, always been. Yeah. He's and he was particularly bad that year. Like he's always been overrated, but that year he was just dreadful. Like absolutely awful. Every metric. I remember your tweets were were very entertaining. Yeah. All the metrics, all the eye tests. Like it wasn't just like a metrics thing. There was this horrible. I can't even remember it now. Um, doc quote about him being intangibles or something not that couldn't be quantified in stats or whatever when it was literally just oh the team God. was so much worse with him on the court um and 
that is the, is the best comp because it's a guy who Doc Rivers coached not even that long. I mean, I don't think he and Bradley overlapped that much as the Celtics, but as a guy he knew, it's a guy he was comfortable with, a veteran who was in the right spot and like did all that kind of stuff. And so Doc kept playing him over like Shea Gilgis Alexander, who was clear from like the, oh my God. the minute he stepped foot for the Clippers in summer league. It was like, this dude is going to be like real good. And like halfway through his rookie years, like this dude is going to be really, really good. Um, yeah. And, you guys were on that early. Yeah. And like Shea was starting, but there were still so many games where Bradley was playing more than him and closing over him. And it's like, Shea is a rookie. Like he was making rookie mistakes. He was not like a great defender, a great shooter, but like he was just already so much better than Avery Bradley. And it was just like, it was so irritating, just unbelievable. Um, it's like if if Tyreek's Maxi was instead of being Tyrese Maxi was like Tyrese Halliburton having that caliber season. Right. Yeah. <laughs> somehow yeah, exactly. Mike Scott was playing over him. It was like that. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Well, that's always been my thing about the, the, the rotation is that having Ben and Tobias, guys who can just play the four. Yeah. Like they can. They're basically both can play the four. Like it gives your lineup so much more flexibility from like, Oh, you don't have to, like he was complaining early in the season. He didn't have a backup four. And I'm like, well, really you don't have a backup point guard. And if you had a yes. backup point guard, Ben could play the four and you wouldn't have that issue. So, or even, even you could play smaller and have Thibel at the four. Like, yeah, like, it, it, the Sixers have had plenty of options at the power forward position. They just signed Anthony Tolliver, like <laughs> the legend. I, I joked that when when we got Anthony Tolliver, he put Paul Reed in before ahead of him, like total legend, B ball Paul, like G League MVP, like love the guy, but like not even close to being an NBA rotation player for a contender right yeah. now, and. He put him in before Tolliver when we first signed him, and I was like, "We have officially found the first NBA veteran that Doc Rivers will not play over a rookie." It's amazing. I like Anthony that Tolliver. we have located him. Uh, so do I. He's honestly like, I saw ten minutes of him, and I'm like, he's already better than Mike. Yeah, Scott. he 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 probably has always been better than Mike Scott because he's a better defender. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would I would play him, but yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right, and I think that is one thing with Doc is like he is not afraid to play you know, play his guys big minutes in the playoffs. So, you know, when push comes to shove in the second round, like Embiid, Simmons, and Harris are all playing at least 40 minutes a game, right? And because of that, like Mike Scott is just not going to be playing. Um, you know, yeah. got unless there's an injury. And in that case, you're fine. Yeah. Anyway, if so. one of those three guys gets one of those three guys gets injured, the Sixers are probably screwed anyway. Um, yep. depending on on what series they're in. Um, but yeah, like those guys are all going to be playing 40 minutes a game. I would not worry too much about Mike Scott. The thing with Doc, though, is it, it, it does go beyond rotations, which is like it's a certain inflexibility just to his mindset where it's like, you know, with Montrez Harrell, it's like you have you, you want to play Montrez, sure. But like at least just don't match up his minutes against Jokic or do something else that doesn't end up with Jokic posting up Montrez Harrell and just shooting over him or bullying him to the basket or doing whatever, like there are ways around this. And the Clippers just never right. figured out how to do anything with Jokic on either end of the court. And I get it. Like at the very start of the pod, he's my MVP for the year. He was already basically at that level last year in the playoffs. Like he's a guy who elevates in the playoffs and he's already like an MVP caliber guy. Um, but they still just never found even a remotely effective tactic against him. And that's like, you know, they had all this time to game plan. They they could have known. I mean, the the, the Nuggets Jazz series was a toss-up. Like, it was a bit condensed because of the bubble, but they had plenty of time to scout. And after game, like, three or four or whatever, 
there was just never really any kind of serious adjustment. Like they, they started doubling more, but the doubles weren't very good. And it was just not, it was you just, can't, you can't really, you can't really double Jokic. Yeah. It was a <laughs> bad strategy. You pay. Yeah. It was a bad strategy. Yeah. And that was like the only real adjustment they made after actually they did make an adjustment in like game three. I don't want to get too complicated into the X's and O's of that series, but they made adjustments, but it never progressed beyond that. And he was just thoroughly outcoached in that series, basically top to bottom by Mike Malone, who's a guy who he's a fine coach, but he's not who anybody would consider like, you know, an Eric Spolstra, Rick Carlisle, Greg Popovich. Like he's not at that level. And he thoroughly outcoached Doc Rivers in just about every, every way in that series. Um, the Nuggets were more prepared. They switched things up. They were more flexible. Um, he was better with his rotations. They they were just they had a better game plan just in every single game, just about for the Clippers and the Clippers did for the Nuggets. And like the, the Clippers should have won that series. They had a lot more talent. Um, you know, Will Barton didn't even play that series. He was out the entire bubble. He was one of the Nuggets. I totally like, forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, one of the Nuggets, like five best players, just didn't play. Um, and the Clippers just couldn't find a way to win. And a lot of that is on Doc Rivers more than any other person. Like there's there's blame to be passed around to everybody. Um, but most of that was on him, that he was just not good in, in many, many ways. And when you look at other playoff series, I think that is is the most glaring of his of his week of his playoffs. Right. That was the end the end of it too. I mean, yeah. I think it was a completely justified firing. Like, I mean, yeah. ultimately when you when you wake when you take a risk like signing uh, or trading for Paul George and getting Kawhi Leonard and you're only guaranteed those two years. If the coach does that in the first year and the players aren't totally bought in on him, I, I totally understand the firing, even though, you know, he had, he had his, his time there. He had, he had a decent amount of success, took the Clippers to uh, a new level, at least from like a national respect standpoint, I think, especially during everything that happened with the owner and shit like that. But like, Basically, when it comes to Doc in a playoff series, like, I think he's been awesome for the regular season. Mm -hmm. And, like, yeah, there are little things here I could bitch about and, like, I have on the podcast before. But, like, overall, like, couldn't ask for a better job. Sixers are first place in the East. They've played so much better without Joel Embiid. That is probably the biggest feather in his cap, I would say. Yeah. I know that their record's only 500, but you would watch games last year when they didn't have Joel Embiid. Like, we started off the year 1-5 and five without Embiid, and now we're, like, 8-8, eight and eight, which is, like, crazy. I would have never imagined that. Even though the records are similar for when Brett was coach, like, just from, like, a motivation standpoint, mm-hmm. from a preparation standpoint, the Sixers always look better even when Embiid doesn't play. So, yeah. Yeah. No, you can. What were you going to say? No, I mean, I think Doc does best when he's shorthanded. When he's given a full set of tools, I think that's when he struggles the most. He is at his best when he has like kind of a jury rigged roster he has to throw together and guys coming in and out. And he somehow finds a way to keep all the guys motivated and bought in and pushes the right player at the right point in the regular season. And like his, it's funny because last year, you know, obviously ended in this ignominious defeat. But the year before that, the 2019 season, Avery Bradley bitching aside, and I could talk about that for eons, um, <laughs> that was his best por- coaching performance as a Clipper by far was 2019. Yeah, yeah. And the year before that is the most un- like the most forgotten year because they didn't make the playoffs that year. It wasn't as hallowed a year as the um, you know the Lou Trez Beverly 48 game you know come back against the Warriors. That team won 42 games. And they played a whole lot of guys who 
tell me if you've heard of Jamil Wilson or CJ Williams or Tyrone Wallace or um, any of those guys. All I, I think CJ Will Williams is the only. Did he go to Florida State? Uh, I believe so. Um, yeah, it's literally the only one that I remember. Yeah, like rookie Sandarius <laughs> Thornwell, rookie Jawan Evans, who's now out of the NBA. Wow. These guys all played a ton of minutes that year. Pat Beverly's out almost the entire year. Blake, they traded midway through. DeAndre Jordan was checked out and already declining. Um, Gallo was hurt the entire year. And that team somehow won 42 games. It was an insane coaching job. I still don't know how he did it. Um, and, you know, he's a really, really good coach. Um, and I can say that even after what happened against, you know, the Nuggets last year. Um, that was just a lot of things. Also, the Clippers were particularly hit hard by the bubble and stuff related to the bubble and a lot of the protests and stuff, they really did not want to be in the bubble. They did not want to be playing. Yeah, they were one of the teams that voted out. Yeah. Yes, they were the most, they were the team that most wanted out. Several of their players had not wanted to go in the first place and kind of just mm -hmm. ended up going. Um, three of their players also lost family members or close friends during the bubble and Jesus had to leave. Goodness. It was, in, it was just awful. And, you know, that kind of stuff is the stuff that really won't be remembered in a few years. Um, which is not to absolve Doc. It doesn't fit, it doesn't fit the narrative, yes. though. That, that that really... The LOL Clippers thing has become, like... So, like I, here's the thing. People treat the Clippers like... And and they treat them like they're the Bucks. Like, the Bucks are... <laughs> like, really? Like, I mean, like... Like, the Bucks have been this world-beating regular season team yeah. that... And, and by the way, they got to the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. They're not an awful playoff team, but compared to the regular season, they've not lived up to expectations mm -hmm. at all. Last year was weird, just not even counting COVID and the bubble and all that stuff. Like, the, the Clippers, you were saying it all year. I followed you. The Clippers are doing what the Nets did, not as extreme mm -hmm. this year. But, like, basically, like, they didn't – they weren't all playing together. And when they were, it didn't look as good. Like, they weren't yes. equal to the – like, like it, it basically – they didn't live up to expectations really at any point during Correct. the season. So it's not – so it's not like they were the Milwaukee Bucks breaking the net rating record and then getting to the playoffs and losing in five games to the Miami yeah. Heat. Like, that – that is where I think the difference between – like the expectations preseason versus them never living up to it during the season and then into the playoffs. Whereas like, like as a playoff team, I actually think the Clippers are, are built pretty well. Like I think that they can flip a switch defensively. Like they'll be able to kind of figure it out in the playoffs this year. Uh, whereas I'm not sure about the books. Like I'm still, uh, until they do it, I'm not going to believe it kind of thing. <laughs> We are back. Uh, had a little technical difficulty because it wouldn't be this podcast if we didn't have one at least <laughs> one week. Um, so, yeah, basically what we were kind of talking about before was Doc Rivers' job with the Clippers, how he's done with the Sixers so far. One thing that I just want to hit on with this is basically if Doc – in let's say in the second round, the Sixers mm – -hmm. honestly, technically – they could even draw the heat in the first round. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Like, like I've actually, I know that you weren't as high on the heat last year. I don't believe, I think that you were no. one of the people that were skeptical of the bubble yes. run. 
Um, I, I'm, I've said this before where I'm like, I think that people like, like they, they went into the bubble. They're like, Oh, they're bubble frauds. And now they're performing poorly. And it's like, Oh, see, I was right. And it's like, I, I do agree to an extent that they're not as good as they were in the bubble. I think that's pretty evident as of this year. Second off, it's a weird year. Mm-hmm. injuries covid all that stuff but even when they're healthy they haven't looked like quite the same team i think they're yeah. probably somewhere in between where they were in the bubble and where they are now so i think that they'll probably take a level up in the playoffs just because of like i think jimmy always takes a level up in the playoffs i think spo gives you a huge coaching advantage i think bam's better than he was last year i don't yeah. believe in the supporting cast as much as i did last year right. uh and, and it pretty much comes down to, can those two drag you to some playoff victories? And yes, I do. I don't know if they'll even win a series, because they might... Right now, it would shake out. I would imagine, if it gets to the play-in tournament, like, you can't throw a play-in game to try to get that eight seed to go up against the Sixers, because if you lose the second play-in game, you, yeah, don't, you, make, you don't make the playoffs. Yeah. So they will ultimately probably be the six or seven seed and they'll face off the bucks or the nets in the first round. Maybe the Sixers if the Sixers fall to the second seed. But my whole point of this is if the Sixers were to get, let's say in the first or second round, the heat or the Celtics, would you feel as though those teams, even though they haven't been nearly as good as the Sixers year this year would, would pose a threat specifically because of the X's and O's advantage that an Eric Spoelstra or Brad Stevens would bring to the table over Doc Rivers. No, no. I would be worried about those teams just from kind of what you mentioned about the sheer talent perspective. Um, you know, Jimmy and, and Bam are really, really good, right? I don't I don't believe in the rest of their team at all, um, like literally at all. Um, Dragic <laughs> left his PEDs back in the Orlando bubble and, <laughs> you know, uh, Hero is, I don't, I don't even know what, Hero is just bad. He's just bad this year. He might end yeah. up being good, but this year he's just bad. Yep. Um, and I just, I don't believe in them, but Jimmy and Bam are good enough to be a, a threat to any team. I don't know about any team, like the 17 Warriors, maybe not, but you know, most, most playoff teams, they're a team that can win at least a couple games. And I think the same is true of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like the rest of the Celtics roster is not great. You know, Kemba, doesn't really look like Kemba. Um, you know, I, I like Evan Fournier, but he's not, you know, exactly a world beater. Marcus Smart always has health issues. Um, you know, I, Time Lord, in big time in a playoff series against Embiid. I just, that yeah. that sounds like it's going to end badly for the Celtics. <laughs> um, so a threat, sure. Because I think those, the, the duos, their top duos on both those teams are good enough to pose a threat to any team. Like those guys sure. are good enough to win you multiple playoff games against just about any team. But I don't think it's because of coaching. I, I don't think it'll be because Brad Stevens has some strategy that Doc Rivers can't handle or same with Spolster. I think it'll just be Jimmy and Bam show up and are good enough to win them a couple games. Same thing with Tatum and Brown. Um, yep. But the, the Sixers, I think, should win either of those series in like six, five. Like I, they're just better. And Embiid wow. should be the best player in any of those series. Um, I'm a big Embiid guy. I have been for, you know, since the draft when I thought he should have gone number one, injuries or no injuries. Um, and, like, Jimmy and Bam are great. Tatum and Brown are great. Embiid is better than all those guys. Like, in a playoff series, when he's playing 35-plus minutes a game every game, that should equal Sixers wins against most of these teams. Um 
And like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's fine to be scared. I mean, I think, I mean, Clippers fans have a lot of the same thing with the Nuggets that I, I wonder like Sixers fans might with the Celtics and even the Heat where it's like, we know we're the better team, but it's like, there's still some lingering trauma and just the worry <laughs> that, that like the, the like a collapse that will happen again will be even more humiliating and therefore Absolutely. like more likely to happen. So I, I get that all that is like very similar. Um, but I really, I have faith in the Sixers this year. Um, I do think Doc Rivers has done a great job. And I think, you know, what he's done with, with Joel and especially with Tobias, who's kind of been kind of the linchpin to what the Sixers have done this year. No, um, you're right. Is gonna is gonna stick into the playoffs. Like, there's no reason to think Tobias is gonna regress against the Celtics just because Brad Stevens or you know against the Heat. Like, I I don't even know who the Heat are gonna throw on him because presumably Jimmy would be on um, on Ben Simmons and Bam is gonna be on Embiid. I actually think they put Jimmy on Tobias. I think that I think that Ben. Here's the thing about Ben. I think that Ben, although you want to put a bigger body on him. He doesn't take advantage of mismatches right. quite in the same way. Like, to, actually, Tobias is the one who's been feasting on mismatches. He did that with the Clippers, too. Yeah. Yeah, just just searching for switches. And the thing about Miami is, like, one of the reasons why I feel pretty good about a Miami series, other than the fact that they've underperformed, is because I think that uh, I, I think that they're just so switch-heavy, and they're so just, like, switch everything like they just can't do that against the Sixers like 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 who are you going to switch Duncan if you switch Duncan Robinson on Tobias he's going to feast if you switch Embiid onto anyone he's going (laughs) to fucking destroy them so I don't like I think Bam might be the only one that even has a shot and even then I I think Bam's a fantastic defender but I I I don't see him shutting down Embiid in a way in a way that he he might have some success with some smaller guys um yeah but yeah, no, I, I just, I guess with, with the Heat specifically, I just keep going back to that Celtic series where I'm like, damn, Spo really outcoached the fuck out of Brad yep. Stevens in that series. And like, Brad Stevens is a really good coach. Um, I, I guess another thing that I, I go back to with the Celtics is like, I, I think that the Sixers, like the Sixers have, although they didn't have Tatum for two of the games, but even the game with Tatum, like they manhandled them. Like they, they couldn't match up with their size. Like, like you said, time Lord fouled out in like literally 12 minutes. He has nothing um, against Embiid. He just can't do anything yeah. with Embiid. And he, I think he's good. I, I think that he's going to be a good player too, but I, I just, I, I can't envision a way that he can stay on the court in that series. Um, But my thing with, with the, the Celtics haven't had an answer for Joel Embiid really since the 2017-2018 playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look, even the last year with Al Horford there, Embiid was destroying Al Horford, but it didn't fit the narrative. Actually, Aaron Baines is a better defender on Embiid yeah. than Al Horford is, uh, just because of his sheer power and size. size. Yeah. And also, and and they're not going to call a foul on every play. So they're like, like Baines is just going to body him in the post. And if they call a foul, they call a foul. So, like, the thing with the Celtics is like, they haven't had an answer. Like, Tice was not, didn't was not an answer for him last year and it basically came down to they're not gonna let Embiid beat like they're just gonna double Embiid every possession and live with giving uh, Tybal open shots and giving anyone else on the Sixers open shots and they weren't able to convert them in a way that they might be able to this year because of the sheer shooting yeah that's the thing I mean I know Steph 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 hasn't been the same you wish it was Steph uh hasn't been the same since uh you know he had COVID and you know he's had some injury issues and Steph has always had injury issues um but yeah I mean if you Mm -hmm. if you're just saying 
they're going to double and beat and give Seth Curry wide open threes. I mean, you, you take that and you take that with Danny Green too, who's been really good this year. Um, the guy who's yeah. really good every year. And somehow Lakers fans were talking about how Wes Matthews is better than Danny Green. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I love that. They are just such, they're such simps. And, and when we first got Danny, I was like so high on Danny and he was so, he was so rusty the first month of the season. And I'm like, did we really get the wash version of no. one of my favorite role players in the NBA? Like, are you fucking kidding no, he's me? Good. And then I was like, no, he's good again. Yeah, like he's, he's good. just, he's figured it out. And like Lakers fans have like, we talked about this on Twitter like a week or two ago. Like, whenever they get guys that like are actually good players, like, and Marcus All isn't Marcus All. Yeah. Like, he's not the same guy anymore. But like, whenever they get guys who are clearly like good NBA players, they just don't live up to their expectations that they've set for them, which then makes it so that that player is total shit, and they have to convince everyone that they're total shit. But no, Danny's good. Like, I mean, dude, Danny's hitting literally the. I think he's hitting like forty four percent of his corner threes. Like, right. I'm not worried about the shooting. I do worry about in a scenario where they focus all their attention on that and they will, they'll, they'll give up those open threes, but I worry about it in it. Basically, I I guess it is kind of going back to what that, that thing you said earlier about like the psychological element of it. It's Mm -hmm. like the Sixers can't beat the Celtics in a playoff series. Like we'll, we'll live with those shots and I think ultimately the Sixers do have enough shooting and like passing and especially, I mean, the Sixers have, I don't know why I'm worried about this. The Sixers have are by the end of the year, probably going to have five, maybe six 40% catch and shoot three point shooters on like, in the rotation. I, mean, I think what Maury did over the off season was, was, I mean, I, I wouldn't say brilliant because I think it was kind of obvious. I mean, the way he went to do it was the right way to do it. He even said that. He was like, yeah, no, it actually wasn't genius at all. I just said, we don't have shooting and we need it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's basically all it is. And I mean, the way he was able to flip Horford for green, um, definitely, you know, really good and getting Seth and all that kind of stuff. Certainly very smart moves. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, you just put shooting around Joel Embiid and to a lesser extent, Ben Simmons, and you're going to be really good. Um, so yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I think the Sixers should be heavily favored over the Heat or Celtics in the playoff series. I think they can beat those teams. Um, I think the Celtics in particular just have absolutely no answer for Embiid. And, like, if you try doubling, they have enough shooting to punish them. And, I mean, the Celtics have good enough defenders to do scramble and recover and get back out. But then you have, like, Seth Curry can handle the ball. Seth Curry is not afraid to, you know, attack and close out. Tobias Harris certainly can attack closeouts. Simmons, yep. that's all he can do when he gets the ball in the perimeter is attack closeouts. <laughs> George uh, Hill is George Hill last night did something in the game that, we, like, Jackson Frank posted a clip, and he was like, this is just, some, it's, like, such a simple thing that the Sixers haven't had, which was literally he just attacked the closeout, and instead of going straight for the basket like everyone else does on the Sixers, which is good, and you should do that when you're attacking closeout, but he literally just, like, scanned the perimeter perimeter and like found Danny Green for a wide open three yeah and it was just like those are the kind of like simple things that a veteran like George Hill is going to bring to the table of the playoffs yeah I mean George Hill is is good I wanted the Clippers to trade for him not necessarily Lou Williams just because I I wanted Lou Williams to win a championship on the Clippers but um George Hill I mean I would rather have traded for George Hill over Rondo any day not just due to likability but just because I think he's better than Ron Rondo um, but yeah, I mean, George Hill will help a lot. I, I basically forgot he was on the team. I know that was a running joke. on <laughs> yeah, he's, he's finally alive. We've revived him from the dead. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, I don't know. I, I, I was super high on the Sixers last year. I'm high on them again this year. I'm probably going to get burned again. Um, but like, 
I don't. I mean, I think the cards are lining up well for the Sixers and the Clippers, which is, you know, again, something is going to go hor- horribly wrong. Oh God! Um, don't say it but, out loud. But the Nets, like, I don't, like, I don't know. It's the same thing with the Lakers. Like, can you really trust the Nets? Their guys have been in and out in the lineup all year. It seems like it's like decent odds as to whether Harden and or Durant will actually be healthy in the playoffs. Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. As good as Kyrie is, he's not as good as those guys. If they don't have one of those guys. They're a really good team, but they're a beatable team. Um, and they have nobody who can guard Joel Embiid. Like, their best answer probably was hilariously LaMarcus Aldridge before he, he had to retire. Yeah. Um, which was like, crazy. Nick, yeah, which is insane. But Nick Claxton, like, I like Nick Claxton, but he is just so, way too small. Way too small. Yeah. Um, it's, the Rob, it's, is, it's the Time Lord thing. I mean, it's like, except yeah, even best worse. of luck. Yeah, yeah he's I mean, even Luke smaller Claxton, than Time Lord. Yeah, I mean, Embiid probably has like 70 pounds on Nick Claxton. Just, this is just not <laughs> yeah. going to happen. Um, so, I, like, like they're going to they're gonna do the same thing. Like, they might throw triple teams at Joel Embiid. The, the Nets might. But, um, yeah. like, I think the Sixers, you know, if the Nets are healthy, they're just going to score enough points. It probably won't matter. Like, I think if the Nets are healthy, they're probably going to win the NBA championship. But um, if they aren't, and it seems like they aren't, like, I don't, the Sixers could definitely beat them. Um and yeah, I mean, I don't know. The, the Clippers Sixers a finals matchup would be hilarious. Um, somehow both teams would lose. The, the season would get canceled. <laughs> Game seven. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. COVID, I, COVID came back at, right at the right at the beginning of the series, and you know, it's <laughs> we had to yeah. shut it down again. If any teams, if that would happen, to any teams would be the Sixers and the Clippers. But um, I don't know, like. When you have a guy as good as Embiid on your team, you just have to like your odds against just about anybody. Like that's base, and that's what it always comes down to in the playoffs. You can nitpick about coaching, and you can nitpick about you know, did you want George Hill or did you want Evan Fournier or did you want right. Norm Powell? Like ultimately, it's going to be Joel Embiid is is good enough to get you to an NBA championship, or you know, somewhere along the way, somebody is a little bit better than him or at least equal to him, and, and stuff balances out. And again, the Nets pose the best risk of that because they have James Harden, they have Kevin Durant, who are two of the best scorers of, of all time. Um, and, you know, anything can happen. But, like, I, the Sixers could win a championship. I actually like them to win more than the Clippers, both because they play in the East and also because yeah, Embiid is sure. better than anybody on the Clippers. Um, but, yeah, like, I, it's, it's really fun. What? Playoff Kawhi? If we get playoff Kawhi like we did a few years ago, although that, that Raptors team is really... Really I think good. I think Embiid is better. I, I'm I'm Kawhi. I don't think he's overrated, but but Ooh, I, spicy. People keep people were saying last year he's the best player in the NBA. He's never been the best player in the NBA. Even no, playoff Kawhi really. was not the best player in the NBA. Um, and playoff Joel Embiid has been insane. I don't like I against. Everybody knows the stat against how they beat the Raptors when he was on the court and lost by, like, a million points in the 30 minutes he was off the court. And, like, that's just – Joel Embiid is dominant. And Kawhi Leonard has fallen off a little bit on defense. Um, And, I I mean, I think Embiid – if in a hypothetical Sixers-Clippers, you know, seven-game series, I think Embiid could very well be the best player in that series. I think that's fair. Uh, I mean, I think ultimately – Kawhi in that series probably will history will favor him because of the shot and because he was just absolutely dominant. But but from yeah. a defensive perspective, what Embiid did in that series, like I 
people always will talk about like his offensive struggles. And then I'm like, dude, I feel like he hasn't even been trying on defense this year compared to the best. <laughs> like, like literally like I watched the game, like the, the OKC and it's a smart business decision to be fair. And also the off, like the offensive load that he's had this year is even more yeah. than it was in the past. So obviously there's a, there's a little bit of an exchange there. But, like, there were, there was a, the OKC game where I was just like, he just doesn't even give a shit. Like, if he can take it to the level that he did in the Raptors series and then maintain the offense, like, yeah. arguably the best two-way player in the NBA is that version of Joel Embiid. Will right. we ever see it? Maybe not. But it, it, it there is a world where it's very similar to, uh, and obviously Jokic is more of a one-way player, but it's just like last year in the bubble where it was just like, like Jokic has been good in the playoffs and like he was, and then he just fucking comes out of nowhere and just starts like destroying teams. Yeah. I mean, I think also Jokic is, is underrated defensively. I, mean, I, I, I agree. I'm not, I'm not like a, yeah, but Jokic yeah, I mean, he's certainly defense, not, he has he's certainly not like, he's not a, yeah. yeah, he's not a good rim protector. He doesn't do right. more traditional center things, but he's not a bad defender. By yeah. I mean, he's certainly not Embiid's levels, like a true two way guy, but yeah, like, I mean, things are, it's just impossible to predict with this season. I've tried True. not to make predictions, just like with the amount of injuries there are, um, you know, even if COVID itself seems to be, I, I a thing of the past is way, way over the mark, but for <laughs> yeah. the NBA, at least, Knock on wood. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, is probably not going to be like a huge factor in the NBA playoffs uh, this year. Like injuries are still way up. There's still like 15 games left of a super condensed schedule. Other guys are going to get hurt. Like again, I don't want them to get hurt, but other guys are going to get hurt. Um, there are new injuries basically every day, and like it's it's just impossible to predict. But um, I would I, I returning back to the main point. I would not worry too too much about Doc Rivers, um, just because I think like that this is a team that best suits what he's what he's good at. Um, where with the Clippers, he did have like this kind of weird cultural imbalance. And like, there were these old guys he wanted to cater to as well as these new superstars. He's coming in fresh in Philly. I think he's gotten better buy-in with the Sixers than he did the last year with the Clippers by a pretty huge margin. And like, it's a team where, again, it, it really comes down to three guys. And those three guys, are, he's going to play them huge minutes in the playoffs. I mean, I think Danny Green can probably be lumped in. I mean, Danny Green is going to get massive minutes in the playoffs as well. Yeah, he should. Um, he's been he's Yeah, been which he good. should um fourth best like, player yeah, on the team clearly yeah so like i, I wouldn't i wouldn't read too much about doc like it, it it'll come down to health it'll come down to matchups as, as things always do but um i don't know doc's done a great job i don't harbor as much ill will to him as i think a lot of clippers fans do i don't i don't necessarily i'm not like dying for him to get a ring or anything but um you know he's I, already I hope... he's already got one but what, what, yeah, what I, one. I will absolutely take it if he would like to to, to bring the sixers to a championship yeah and like <laughs> uh, yeah so I don't know. I mean, I like the Sixers a lot. I think they're a fun team. They're a really good team. And um, yeah, I mean, I, they're probably my team in the East That in terms of the team that I'm rooting for personally, um, just because I, you know, the Nets are whatever. And the Nets are hilarious, but I don't, I don't know if I'm rooting for them. And then, yeah. you know, the No, it's the like, Bucks I can't are... root for, I can't root. I, I find it weird to root for the favorites. Like I'll, I'll be rooting for the Clippers for sure. Mostly because it will upset Raptors fans. And I think that's just funny. So that's. Yeah, the Raptors fans just have. It's been bad this year. It's been the worst. It's been going from maybe my favorite Twitter group a couple years ago to like one of my least favorites. It's been I don't know what a, happened, man. They're they could be really insufferable. It's been really bad. Uh, this is a good note to end on: is hatred of the Raptors fan. Uh, <laughs> they it's been bad. Like I don't. I feel like 
maybe it would not be true. And I feel like you would agree with this. If the Clippers won a championship this year, they could do absolute piss for the next 10 years. I would not care. Yeah, I, I would not shit. care. Yeah. Their Every player on their team could go to whatever other team in the NBA they wanted. I wouldn't care. They've won the 2021 championship. I don't care. They could yeah. win 10 games for the next 10 years. It's whatever. It's the Eagles. That's what happened with the Eagles. I don't give a shit. Like, we won <laughs> yeah, the title. Like, <laughs> I don't know how Raptors fans are this upset two years after. And not only did they win a championship, they won, like, one of the coolest championships. Like, with the shot, with the Kawhi Leonard shot. Yeah. Um, well, I disagree with that, but yes. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> the, the shot, you know, coming down from 2-0 against the Bucks. Beating yeah. a Warriors team, like, sure, they didn't have KD. It's still, like, the Steph they, Curry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Draymond Green Warriors team, like they had a really cool playoff run with like a really likable, like really good team, and like they're salty two years later because the the fucking Clippers have Kawhi Leonard. The Clippers are the, the biggest sad sack franchise in like the history of franchises. <laughs> like nobody should be jealous about them for anything, like anything in the world. Nobody should be jealous about the Clippers. They're gonna the find best part a way about it is up. is that is that Kawhi goes there one year basically wins them a championship and then is like peace you like well, I, i'm good and then they were still good last year and they're yeah. still like 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 the, the fact that they took the celtics to seven games in the second round like with that team like the, that team should not have even been in the series yeah like i don't i i just don't get it like i've had so many arguments with raptors fans about it i just i don't understand like their team has been sure this year has been miserable for them but, like, there's no reason to think their future is that fucked up. Like, their core is, like, all in their primes. They're fairly cost-controlled. They have some good young players. They have a pretty good future. Like, I, I just yeah. don't I don't get it. Also, they so have, anyway, like, one of the best, like, GMs in the league. So, they'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, anyway, the Clippers will find a way to fuck everything up. But um, <laughs> Same with the Sixers. We'll, we'll, we'll meet back after the season, and we'll just talk about how everything we discussed positively was actually totally wrong, and we were off. Yeah, Danny Green shoots 5% in a playoff series. <laughs> Wait, I can feel it in my bones. Tobias Harris regresses to last year. Ben Simmons is just completely erased. I can't, I can't wait. I personally can't wait. Rob, I really appreciate you coming on. It was awesome to talk to you. I'd love to have you back on in the future. Um, so people can follow you on Twitter at Rich Homie Flom. Read you on 213 Hoops. Anything yep. else you want to plug? Not really. Our podcast is The Lob, The Jam, The Pod. That's on 213 Hoops. But yeah, I don't do much writing anymore. I do editing and i fall asleep a lot before the clippers finish games because i'm old and <laughs> the west and, coast. and i was gonna say you're not on the west coast anymore so. yeah it sucks i don't it's like they, they play on tnt in like half an hour i'm all i just want to go to bed like they're... yeah and they don't start the game until like 10 45 when it says it's 10 o'clock it sucks and... <laughs> it's the actual worst and it's every year i get tragic. older and more crotchety about it and like i'm gonna turn into jeff van gundy i feel i, I should not make fun of him because <laughs> that's gonna be me in like 40 years but hey uh, look yeah. he knows Nose ball, and that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Peace, dude. Yep, later.